The Hoffman Show, we're on the Team 980, always live as well on the free Odyssey app, and of course, streaming live on YouTube at the Team 980. And it's our pleasure to welcome back to the show, Brad Spielberger, who is the salary cap analyst at Pro Football Focus, and just released a list of the top free agents. And uh, Brad, I feel like we've spent, obviously, so much time here. Well, first, uh, we had you on the show in, in the winter. I guess we're still in the dead center of winter. It was, you know, a solid 19 degrees most of last week here in D.C. Um, but, you know, earlier in the winter to talk about the front office guys, and and you kind of gave us one of the first really good scopes of the list of potential people. Obviously, the commanders now have Adam Peters. We spent a lot of time talking about the coach, and I think people are looking at the draft because that number two pick. But free agency comes before the draft and the commanders have more cap space than anyone. How would you characterize the free agent class this year? Um, depth kind of type of players available. And, and especially once you look at some of the guys who may be franchise tag, what this free agency class actually looks like. Yeah, it's going to be interesting. The, the, the team basically sat out free agency the last couple of years. Was that an organizational philosophy? Because I'm not saying it's good to spend in free agency necessarily. Was it more ownership knowing they were going to move on? Like the different elements there. Um, is Josh Harris going to come in and maybe be aggressive, spend a little bit, build around this new regime? Or are they also going to be more patient and not really dive into the waters? So I do think it lines up nicely with what I would characterize as the needs for Washington. Um, interior offensive line, I think there are a, it's probably the best guard and center class that I remember doing. This is not my fourth year doing it for PFF, but you know, I've been doing this for about seven, eight years now. I'm just kind of looking at the list and kind of, you know, weighing, like you said, depth versus top end strength, all those different things. So interior offensive line, I think is great. Linebacker play is pretty deep as well, which is certainly an area where, where Washington could address. There's, different styles of linebackers, coverage guys, early down thumpers, like whatever you're looking for in that regard as well. So I would say those are the strengths of this class. And then I think there are at the top, some really good interior defensive linemen, not really a, a need for Washington per se. Maybe they do trade, a, you know, move on from some, from a John Allen or something like that. And maybe they do need to go that direction. But, but anyway, that, that's how I would characterize it. Otherwise it's, you know, your typical wide receiver threes and cor number two corners, maybe number three corners or, you know, there's always a million safeties and, and maybe, you know, Cam Curl stays, maybe Cam Curl goes, they get cheaper. So, yeah, that was a bit of a ramble, but yeah, it's no, a that's, solid class. Yeah, that's yeah, a good yeah. generalization. That's what, yeah, we're, yeah. that's what we're looking for. So let's go into some of the specifics. Um, it le and let's, for the moment, let's operate under the assumption that Washington goes with Ben Johnson. He seems to be the number one guy on the market. They seem to be the number one job on the market. Um, I do think some of the reporting that is out there, calling it reporting is actually giving it too much credit, but some of the the people saying that, you know, it's a done deal. Like they still haven't interviewed him and Aaron Glenn and Mike McDonald in person. And that is a enormous part of this evaluation, but it does seem like coming out of the virtuals that, that he is their lead candidate uh, in some, you know, who knows by how much, but in some form or fashion. So I say all that to say, let's operate as if Ben Johnson is the coach and he brings a mostly similar scheme with him to Washington. Who are some of the guards and interior offensive linemen that would be intriguing for Washington on this class? Yeah, well, I think it's interesting right out of the gate. There are two Lions players. So first, a cheaper young guy, or not cheaper, a younger guy in Jonah Jackson, their left guard right now, actually just got hurt in their last playoff game. We'll see if he plays this upcoming weekend. But um, for me, very good second level run blocker. You will see him like blow some linebackers and safeties up. 
um, with some fun reps. I think he can get better as a pass protector, um, but a good athlete, former third-round pick out of Ohio State that I think just needs to continue to settle in in his pass sets. He keeps his feet too close together. I guess I won't go into full breakdowns of these guys, but uh, Jonah Jackson is one, and then Graham Glasgow was kind of the journeyman veteran now, was a Lion, went to Denver, is back in Detroit, can play center, can play guard. Um, so both of those guys, I would imagine, just because of their connection with Ben Johnson, would make a lot of sense. So yeah, I think you are looking, though, for bigger guys, guys that can fit in a potential gap scheme, inside zone scheme. Like They do run off tackle. They run outside the tackles as well. But we're not looking for a wide zone, Kyle Shanahan, 290-pound guard. We're looking for some uh, some bigger guys that can displace defensive linemen. Um, I think those guys are a good place to start. Kevin Dotson with the Rams, probably the last name I'll throw in there. Um, a guy that fits that, that big gap scheme and a much better pass blocker uh, than those first two guys I mentioned. A little bit less nimble in space, but, but a strong, strong anchor uh, in the wrong game as well. Brad Spielberger, salary cap analyst for PFF, is with us on the tackle front. Because I, I kind of am the, of the belief that you should they, they need to take like a, a tackle somewhere in this draft fairly early. Like one of those five top 100 picks that they have be an anchor for the future. And then the other tackle spot, let's address in free agency. If you think that you need to move on from Charles Leno at, at the left spot. I kind of think they might, you know, their guard solution might be kick Andrew Wiley inside. We'll we'll see about that. Uh, what the next what the next coach thinks. Um, but if they want to address tackle in this free agency class, are there options available, and who who might be a good one to look at? Yeah. So first, I do agree with you in the draft. It's a good tackle class too. So like, I think you can get a very good player uh, in the second round potentially with one of those picks. So. You can. It's hard to get like a premier tackle, but there are some solid options here. I think one that would jump out is a Trent Brown uh, with the Patriots. You know, he's kind of up and down. He's going to miss some time pretty much every year. He has claws in his contract to keep his weight down. Um, but he's a phenomenal football player when he is out there. So um, he's intriguing, a true tackle. He's gigantic. He's like 6'8". Um, there's no question of if he's a tackler or a guard. He's a tackle. Um, I will move on to a second guy who can play both. And again, you mentioned maybe Wiley, obviously Sam Cosme finally uh, kicked inside um, and looked pretty good there. Um, Mike Onwenu, also with the New England Patriots, has played right tackle, has played guard for them. Some teams probably do view him as a guard. He always grades out very, very well for us at right tackle. Um, and I think he could play there if trusted to be there. And the last one I'll say is um, Jonah Williams with the Cincinnati Bengals. So mm. I think he gets a little bit bad of a rap because he's a former you know, 11th overall pick in since he missed his rookie season with injury and, and hasn't been amazing, but pretty high floor as a pass blocker. Like he's not a complete liability. You can leave him on an island at times. Is he an elite tackle? No. Otherwise, he wouldn't be a pending free agent. Um, but a good stopgap, a good player uh, that can play both sides, played right tackle this year, um, played left every year before that. I think those are some of the, the marquee names of that position and, and all guys that I think would be upgrades for Washington. So the next position I'll ask you about offensively is the last one that I, I'm curious if they would address it in free agency, but it is maybe the best receiver draft class that we've seen. I don't even know when I'd have to ask your boy Sykema about when the last time there was this good of a receiver class and there are some bigger bodied guys. And, and I think there's a lot of us here that think an X receiver, that guy that lines up on the line of scrimmage, bigger body for the fans that they don't really know the difference between the X and the Z. Terry McLaurin has been playing that a lot for Washington. But uh, I think that there's a lot of folks that think if they can get him that step back off the line, let him use some of his speed and quickness, shift him over to a Z, that he'd be more effective, kick Jahan down a spot into more of a slot receiver type of role. And then 
how do you get the X? And there's some great X receivers available. My question would be cost versus and cost, you know, kind of efficiency versus some of the guys in the draft. So what what does the market considering the draft class look like for Mike Evans and company at that X receiver spot where there are again some excellent names? Yeah, I mean, the top three receivers on the board are all those big body X, you know, you have Michael Pittman out of Indianapolis, who's more of your kind of possession receiver, low average at the target, but extremely sure handed is going to get you, you know, 100 catches, 1000 yards and a couple scores pretty much every year. Um, T Higgins, I think interesting in Cincinnati, and both these guys are going to get franchise tagged. But I would say I think Higgins is more likely to maybe be tagged and then traded um, to another team. He fits that bill, of course, and, and I agree with you on maybe moving Terry, um, getting him off the line, getting him some more free releases and letting him operate a different way. Um, and then Mike Evans, too. So the first two guys, I think you would have to not only invest you know, the contract, but you're also probably trading. I don't think you're sending a first round pick for Michael Pittman, but probably a second round pick and, and, and more. And then for T. Higgins, I think it is like an A.J. Brown type package, like a first and a third. And mm. then you're giving both of those guys. 24 23 24 million dollars a year um with Evans I think he did show in Tampa last year by wanting an extension pushing for an extension and kind of making his you know lack of uh, like faith in the, or like he, he was annoyed he wanted to get a new deal didn't I think it's got to start with a two so 20 plus million per year but look he's a 30 year old receiver we have all these horror stories of you know the Julio Jones of the world where they kind of they hit that spot and, and just kind of you know it just falls down pretty quickly uh with their production so I think you maybe get him for, you know, three years, 60 million, something like that. I, I would take that risk with a Mike Evans. He's, you know, had a career here this year, yeah, um, awesome. but yeah, going to be expensive. Yeah, for sure. And it just with, I, I'd be curious to see what teams are willing to do that in the free agent market, knowing that they absolutely, no matter where they're picking, if they have a pick in the first two rounds could get an excellent X receiver in the draft, but that receiver is not going to be Mike Evans. So um, going to be interesting to see. So my uh, Brad Spielberg is our guest, by the way, PFF uh, salary cap analyst. My biggest position of need for Washington on defense is a premier edge player. I think they can bring back a James Smith Williams and or a Casey Tuhill to be in rotation. I think KJ Henry showed nicely as a rotation piece. Um, and like James has been a quality starter opposite of, for instance, Montez Sweat when Chase Young missed basically all of two years ago. Um, but you need, like, if, if that's all you got, you're in a bad, bad way, as we saw with their defense this year. So what, like, pass rushing premier edge player options are available, and how much will those guys cost this offseason? Yeah, so it's actually a good spot. I, I should have mentioned as one of the stronger position groups. Um, a lot of depth there. There are some high-end players. And I'll say, um, I imagine they would try to go young. Like, I don't think they're going to get into the Daniel Hunter market if they're going to trade the guys they had. Uh, you know, so... He's obviously up there. You know, first it starts off with Josh Allen in Jacksonville. I, I think there's probably a 0% chance they let him go. Was absolutely phenomenal this year. Um, honestly, you know, probably should have been a, a Pro Bowl, All-Pro type player. Uh, and then Brian Burns in Carolina. Maybe he does get out at this point. He, he's been trying to get out of Carolina for quite some time. Um, <laughs> Poor Brian Burns is just stuck down there. Yeah, yeah. So where it's, the list starts for me um, is I think the one that is very fascinating to me would be Jonathan Greenard, who's in Houston this year, had a breakout this season. He's always kind of dealt with minor injuries, and I also don't think he was as good of a fit in their prior defensive scheme as he has been with D'Amico Ryans, but really, really, really good season. His pass rush win rate came way up, um, obviously had a bunch of sacks, but it was actually because of good underlying numbers, and then it's one of the better run defending edges in the entire NFL. You know, you lose the Montez Sweat. I think some people try to kind of downplay his value because he doesn't show up great in all those pass rush metrics, 
Sure, he's one of the best run defenders at the position in the league, and that, and that does matter, right? So I think Greener is kind of like your, your, your discount version of a Montez Sweat. And on the flip side, if you want to get a true pass rush specialist, uh, Bryce Huff with the New York Jets has had the highest pass rush win rate in the NFL for us two years in a row. It's partly because he comes in only on you know third downs or second and long, like obvious passing situations. But he, he is a designated pass rusher supreme, um, is an elite talent off the edge for that specifically. Um, I think those two guys are really, really intriguing if you're Washington. Yeah, that's another spot in the draft that they just like the problem is you've got these three picks in the top 45. I think it is is where that last Bears pick is that they got for sweat. And you're like, well, I like five players. They need five players. How do they get five? And, you know, that makes like potentially trading down. I don't know. Now we're getting ahead of ourselves. Uh, but the, the last guy I'll ask you about is Cam Curl. You mentioned him earlier. Um, I am. I am so torn on him. Like Cam Curl's a really good football player who's just solid at everything he does, but he doesn't do anything exceptionally well. Like he does, and he doesn't create splash plays. He is notoriously not created turnovers. So how do you value him? Like what's his price going to be? And like, what are the other options there for if Washington wants to replace him with another, a different free agent? Yeah, so I'm with you there, where he's just very good at everything, maybe not elite at, at anything. And the ball production, you know, which which teams will pay more for at safety, hasn't really been there, at least this past season. So I think he, you know, is in that like three years, $40 million range. I have him just getting a franchise tag right now, which, you know, I'll admit in the beginning of the, when I start this, like sometimes I put that as a placeholder before I kind of get around to, you know, really working through it and, and assessing the market and stuff like that. But I think he's in that, that mid-tier, that second-tier range, three years, 40, three years, 45. Um, if they wanted to bring him back, which I'd be totally fine with. I think he is a good football player. But like I mentioned, I think one thing we that I've learned from doing this is there are so many starting caliber safeties in, in the free agency class every single year. Like it's why we expect some of these guys to get these great deals. Chauncey Gardner Johnson, for you know, recent example, and they go to the market and flop because no one's like, hey, you know what? You are better than everybody else, but we can get 85% of your production on a two-year $10 million deal, so we're not going to pay you $15 million a year, right? So that, that applies this year as it does every year. I mean, Chauncey Gardner-Johnson is an example, guy that can play in the slot, can play in the deep third, um, can do a lot of things, play corner if you need him to. You got guys like Jordan Fuller it, it, with the Rams, who's a very good two-high safety, rangy, uh, makes plays on the ball. You have kind of your more box players like Julian Blackman this year with the Colts came down and made a ton of plays in the box, was a bit more splashy there. Geno Stone with the Ravens led the NFL in interceptions, I think, for most of the year. Um, they've gotten surpassed. So anyway, it's there are a million different options. I think you can spend anywhere from 15 to $2 million a year and get a guy that you're comfortable playing a thousand snaps. It's just that's where safety is at this point in, in the NFL. Um, or you, you make the splash and, and keep a homegrown talent in Cameron Curl um, and maybe just you know use him differently or, or whatever the case may be. But but I hear you where like you're not dying if you lose him because um, he really hasn't made those those like field flipping plays so far in his career. Yeah, and the communication stuff with him is another area where I, I have questions. Uh, I'll ask you kind of a uh, last question B, if you will, follow up, because uh, I told you the last one would be the last one. But um, my part of why I struggle with Curl is I think Quan Martin developed in the last half of the season, and it looks really good. And I think one of the things that Washington has done a terrible job of the last four years is they plan to replace a guy, and then they don't. They just keep the guy, and whether that's drafting Fedarian Mathis and then re-signing Deron Payne, 
they draft a Quan Martin just in case Cam Curl leaves. And now all of a sudden it's like, well, do you keep Cam Curl? And you wind up with a bunch of duplicity in the roster versus and holes elsewhere because you didn't use the the pick where you needed it. You used the pick where you thought you were going to need it. And then it turns out you just kept the guy, um, John Dotson and Terry McLaurin, same thing. Um, so my question to you, Brad, as someone who has a better scope on the entire league is like, what is a good process in preparing when you're going to lose free agency and kind of when to make the tough decision to just let a guy walk versus, you know, Hey, let's tag him. Let's wait an extra year. Like what's what teams are doing that well. And what does their process look like? Yeah. So I do think at the outset, the approach of drafting at that position is fine, right? Like they're like drafting for need. Sometimes you fall into a trap because it's the NFL guys can get hurt. Guys can leave. Anything can happen. And all of a sudden a position of strength becomes a need but like you said, when you do it, especially when you're using top-end draft capital, you have to actually let that guy go then, save the money, replace him with a cheap young player. Um, and, yeah, there might be some growing pains. Yeah, he might not be as good as the guy you're letting go. Like, you have to understand that and appreciate that. Obviously, like Mathis, for example, you know, injury issues, stuff like that. Um, but, yeah, you do see teams make those draft picks. But the, the really good ones make those tough decisions, let these guys walk. I mean, you look at the – the list of compensatory picks every year, the Eagles, Niners, Ravens, they're getting four comp picks every single year. And you're like, wow, like, why would the Eagles let Javon Hargrave go? Well, they have Jalen Carter coming in. He's a you know defensive rookie of the year candidate. Like, it's not always that clean and that simple. But, yeah, you, you got to sometimes not pay those guys and let them get, get paid elsewhere, um, get the extra draft capital, and, and just keep churning. So uh, they get the first part down, but you got you got to make those tough decisions as well. Yeah. Uh, when, of course, now the guy making those decisions to bring us full circle is a guy that's done it in San Francisco and Adam Peters. Uh, Brad Spielberger, the top 150 free agents ranked in order. Indisputable. This is it. This is the order. There's no wiggle room. Not even first. No, I'm not even going to do that to you, Brad. Uh, you can read their top 150 lifts at pff.com. Uh, Brad Spielberger is, of course, their salary cap analyst. Uh, Brad, thank you, sir, for your time as always. And I'm sure as more lists and more signings and more things happen during the offseason, we'll be talking again. Sounds great. Thanks for having me.